As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 Plain B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, what you say we uh, talk a little bit about roster building? How do you feel about that? I feel like uh, there's one thing I know about you is that you enjoy uh, the nuances of how college football programs build their rosters. Am I right in that assumption? Yeah, I think that uh, it's Christmas season and it's also your favorite season, which is roster building season. That's right. Landis is the type of person who plays Madden Dynasty mode and never plays the games. He just wants to make the trades and create the roster. My favorite video right? game was my favorite video game was NFL Head Coach. <laughs> <laughs> you were the only person who bought it, and then um, uh, the franchise just was like, you know what, we can't just keep making this for you, Landis. So uh, we're gonna keep. Keep on keeping on with Madden, and then you know you'll just have to stay with your PS One, and you can keep playing this game. <laughs> that game actually sucked, uh, by the way. Was that game just like you did everything, and then it was just a simulation? Yeah, like there was, was no like gameplay in it. You did, like you did everything but play the game. Yeah, you called the plays, you did all that stuff, and you just like yeah. watched it happen from the sideline. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. You're psychopath. Yeah. yeah, but I do. Enjoy you bought it, it right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> okay. I, but I've definitely also done dynasties and NCAA football where I just like I don't play the games. I, I know just you simulate don't. the games and then get to the recruiting. Yeah, and you want to and you want to feel good about what you built. And then if they win a national championship through the simulation, it wasn't that you did it; it was confirmation that you were smart. That's right. Yeah, gotcha. and I'm very much and I'm very much looking forward to the new game whenever that comes out. And I, I think there was like more news about that this week that I think like summer 2023, which is still a while from now, but like when the transfer portal comes into play with the video game roster building in addition to the recruiting, it's going to be really fun. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Yes. Didn't you write? You wrote something about that, didn't you? Didn't you write a story? I about wrote about how? I wrote about what the recruiting mechanism should look like once the game comes out, and it did and performed really, really well. And the comments on it were insanely good. Like, like, well, what about this or what about that? It's like when NCAA football first came out and had the recruiting mechanism. Like recruiting hadn't gotten to the point that it is now, where it's like a multi-billion-dollar industry with graphics right. and staffs and visits and rules and transfers and all the different things that happened you know there used to be a straight line to how you would make your roster be how you recruited and then maybe two or three guys at most would leave or come in through transferring now it's just like some teams aren't even going to recruit full classes because they just feel like they're going to 
get guys from other programs and like it's just like a completely different world that we're living in so we want to talk about that world a little bit as it pertains to ohio state um and and how they're going about building their roster uh this this offseason and, and obviously in the future um and, and part of that i think is going to be a discussion about how, how ohio state should be uh, approaching transfers uh kind of dovetailing off of the news earlier this week about LSU transfer cornerback Eli Ricks and uh, the report initial report from 247 Sports that Ohio State had backed off of him um, because it was, I guess, worried about potentially scaring guys off of its roster. You know, a- after that, some other stuff came out about I don't I, I always feel uh, a little weary of like talking about stuff like this because I don't know Eli Ricks at all. But it's like, oh, he has red flags, whatever quote red flags means. And it's like you have uh, you have met him. I've been around him. I haven't met him. I've been. You've interviewed I, him. I never interviewed Eli Ricks. I did, and you were standing next to me then. So, yeah, I don't know if you were just eavesdropping, trying to steal my story when we weren't right. working together. But that's like, what I do. Yeah. You certainly were around an interview of his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but not, that's, that's, you, know, you don't know a guy. You don't I really thought you know. were part of the interview and asked him questions. I'm sorry for assuming that you were doing your job that day. You don't know a guy until you sit down with him and have a. Yeah, no, I know, or... I know, I know. I just all I said was you met him, and then you pushed back on it. I don't know him well enough to know whether or not to know what the hell quote red flags means. Um, and I know he has some injury issues. Maybe that's it. I have no idea. Um, but like after that story came out, it was like Ohio state's backing off. And I actually think like Alabama is not pursuing him all that strongly. Um, and, and perhaps USC has a shot at, at keeping Eli Ricks home. Um, but, but I do think that leads to uh, a greater discussion Ari, about how Ohio state should be approaching transfers and whether or not, you know, Remove Eli Ricks from the equation. Make it any player of, at any position. Whether or not Ohio State should be taking things and things like, well, how many guys are going to leave when we do this into account when considering bringing in a transfer? Can I tell you an anecdote? Yeah. Please when do. Ryan Day first got hired, I wrote a column about how bringing in Justin Fields was ruthless. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was before we knew that Tate Martell couldn't play at a high level. Like, Tate Martell, when he was at Ohio State, you can say whatever you want about him. Did everything that he was supposed to do. He didn't miss practices. They talked about his maturity. He was trying hard. He seemed to be a good teammate. Um, all these types of things. And when Justin Fields got brought into the program, it was kind of like an asshole move. Because it was just like we went into the offseason think there was a chance that it would become his time. You know, and in hindsight, it sounds crazy knowing what we know now, but at the moment, you know, all we had was the 10 for 10 sample size that you right. have hung up above your bedroom uh, yep. ceiling. So, like, I just, like, I, I don't know what we were thinking at that time, but all I know is that when we wrote those um, stories, people were all about it. They wanted to be like Nick Saban. They wanted to be dis interested in anybody's feelings they wanted to bring in the best players that they and they just wanted to run a nfl machine factory and win national championships so the idea that ohio state is backing off because the report from chris hummer from 247 was that ohio state was backing off of eli ricks because they didn't want to scare off their entire secondary room because there's a lot of really good young players coming in in those positions Mm -hmm. that was a complete departure from the message that Ryan Day sent about how he was going to run the program the second he took over. The first thing he did was bring in Justin Fields. And I get it. The quarterback position is a little bit different. If you have one guy that you're confident in who has two years of eligibility left, it's not an entire room. And if other people transfer, you have your guy. Like, I understand the, the dynamic change there. And if you want to bring in Eli Ricks, and again, we're just using Eli Ricks as an example. You were afraid that you're going to lose guys that were expecting to go onto the field next year. Young, very talented guys. J.K. Johnson, guys like that, right? So that said, after Ohio State got their butts kicked by Michigan, after they lost the only two smash mouth games of the year that they played, Michigan and Oregon, the fact that they have to address concerns and have addressed concerns on the defensive side of the ball, hiring Jim Knowles, all these things, the last thing an Ohio State fan wants to hear or read about is that Ohio State's not going to bring in a potential first-round draft pick at the cornerback position because they're afraid other people's feelings are going to be hurt. Because that's not what Nick Saban would do. That's not what a program that is used to doing these types of things would do. And I know you're going to push back on that, 
and I'm excited to hear you do it. That's why this is a good podcast. But my opinion is if you can bring in anybody who's going to be a first round draft pick and maybe Eli Ricks isn't maybe injuries, whatever you're talking about, we don't know a hundred percent what's going on behind the scenes as it pertains to how they're recruiting him. But in a imaginary world where Ohio state could bring in a first round pick. And that's the same thing too. It's just like Jameer Gibbs was at one point seemingly trending toward Ohio state, which made absolutely no sense. But Jameer Gibbs is a really, really good football player. That is the way that I would view Ohio State's program to be run. If there's a really good player, I don't care how deep you are or what you have, or if that person can help you, and is the second down or third down back rather than Trey Henderson instead of Mayan Williams, and he's better than Mayan Williams, again, just an example, you do it. And if people aren't good enough to beat out the person you brought in, then the program has more scholarships to offer in the offseason during during recruiting, and they will find people who want to compete. Because if you don't want to compete and you want to do what Quinn Ewers did, and I'm not saying that he didn't want to compete. Maybe he's homesick. He was 17 years old or 18 years old when he did it. But the the don't want to compete mantra. It's like there are people who don't want to compete. And at Ohio State, you should not have any of those players on your roster. And like maybe I'm sounding like um, the PR service here. Yeah. And But I just like remember Urban saying – they had that chart in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Was it like there was it color coordinated between what type of player you were? Like gold, oh, the, the green, red, and gold, red, gold, red, whatever. Blue. Yeah. It's yeah. like somebody who would leave because you brought in a transfer is probably on the lower end of that chart. So because that chart also took into account how good you were, right? Or was it only about attitude? I think it was it, it was less about talent and more about just kind of how hard you worked and took care of your business. But I think that I think I think that does go hand in hand with this. I think there's there's certainly a competitive aspect to it. And if you were the kind of person who would like, I don't know, pout for lack of a better term, because some they brought in another player at your position to compete with you, then I think that would negatively impact you on that scale. And I know there's a difference between coming in to compete with you and taking your job. Like if you bring in Eli Rick, and he's exactly what you think he's going to be. So. What does that mean? That means that whoever's young on the roster came in through recruiting the natural way and paid their dues are going to have their spot taken. So that's different. But still, they're young. It's Ohio State. They roll corners. Eli Ricks has, what, two more years left of eligibility or one? Could he go be one and done after this year? I think it's one and done. I think he could be like, one and done. You stick He's around. Class, right? and, you, and you pay your dues, right? So, like, I don't know. Like, this is Ohio State. We're not talking about a team where you earn, you have to earn stuff. And even then, they might bring somebody in. Like, nobody cared what Tate Martell felt. Why do we care about what J.K. Johnson feels? I guess maybe my pushback to that would be someone like, I don't even, uh, any any player in that position. Any player that is a presumptive first-round pick who comes into your program and starts right away, I think you could say hasn't earned stuff. They're just showing up because they see a void that they can exploit and play right away. So, like, I agree, like, you have to earn your way at programs like Ohio State, but I guess I would say that the person who's coming in in that situation would not be earning their way. So I could see why, if you were the person who was getting pushed down the depth chart because of that, why, <clears throat> excuse me, why you'd feel some type of way about that. And then um, if you were the person who enters the transfer portal as a result of it, are you going to a place to earn your spot or are you going to take someone's job? Yeah, it's a, it's a <clears throat> well, yeah. I see what you're saying. You're just there's a there's a cycle there that's being perpetuated. Who enters a transfer portal to be like I want to start at the bottom and work my way up? Oh, I mean nobody nobody does. Um, that, that's the idea of it, I, I suppose. Yeah. But I, I don't think I don't think you can tell I don't think you can tell players on your current roster like Hey man, stick around and earn your keep. Don't be don't be mad to bringing this guy in when that guy you're bringing in has not earned his keep. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know, and hard, I understand it's too. It's like if, it, it, also if you're that's like. As we discuss salaries going up and rumors of Brian Kelly making 15 mil a year, even though it didn't come true, and Ryan Day getting a pay bump and maybe pushing double double figures in the millions, it's a really hard thing to do. It's not supposed to be easy. Like building a roster, keeping people happy, keeping people in your program, people that can endure how hard it is and how competitive it is, is hard. And like... I know the transfer portal is going to change the dynamic of roster building, but also if more people like this, like Eli, like a player like Eli Ricks or Justin Fields never would have come to Ohio state like 10 years ago. 
Like it's just becoming more and more normal now. And as it becomes more and more normal, I think we also have to, to resign ourselves to the reality that players are going to leave more frequently. So, you know, if you are a coach and in this specific example, there is some threat that if you bring somebody into the program, you might lose three or four guys in that same position room that would then put your depth into question. Then I guess that's a different discussion because you can't go into a season without enough players in a room. But if that were to happen and the trade-off were first round pick Eli Ricks in the example and Denzel Burke as your two corners, and then you went into the transfer portal in turn to replace guys that you lost, like Eli Ricks, if he is what we thought he would be, is exactly what you recruited J.K. Johnson to be, right? So, like, why wouldn't you go get the person who's automatically that? And, like, I don't know exactly how good Eli Ricks is. All I know is that when he was at LSU and he was, um, you know, healthy, it seemed like he was one of the best cornerbacks in the country. Mm-hmm. And, like, LSU's secondary was, like, the nastiest secondary in uh, in the country. So, you know, that said... I'm more for drastic shifts in talent acquisition than I am worried about people leaving. I, and I, I, I think maybe most fans probably feel that way. And, and honestly, I, I don't know that that story that came out on two four seven. I think I think did maybe not paint Ohio State in the best light. If in fact that's the reason that they they stopped pursuing Eli Ricks, you know my what I know about Ohio State and its track record does lead me to believe that there there's something else there. Um, but I do want to. I want to read this quote from Ryan Day. This was he said this on uh, Sunday after we talked to him uh, after Ohio State got placed in the Rose Bowl against Utah, uh, which I, <laughs> I actually don't know if we've said on this podcast yet since it happened. Ohio State's playing in the Rose Bowl on uh, on January first against Utah. You want to know why we haven't said it? Because no one gives a shit. Yeah, it's. Uh, I hate it's to not, say it, but it's not exactly front of mind. I get it. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I do think there are probably like fifteen percent of the. Uh, fans who were listening to this that just like screamed out their window um but if you care about the rose bowl you're probably over 40 years old right yeah i mean there's a reason that i've i've not written about really the rose bowl yet (laughs) here's the thing about the rose honestly probably won't (laughs) here's the thing about the rose bowl it is of all we've covered all the major games right were you at the orange or have you not gone to the orange yet I was at the national title game that was in Miami, but I've never covered the an Orange Bowl. What national championship game in Miami? Oh, last year. Last year. I'm a moron. Yeah. I, I raised that from my brain because I was so embarrassed to be a Buckeye then. Um, <laughs> no, the the yeah. So last year that still counts. Um, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, all the major bowls. The Rose Bowl is by far the best one. Not even close. Like if I were. If I were in charge of college football, every national championship every year will be played there. 100%. On January 5th in the evening as the sun's going down, maybe a 3.30 kick. Mm-hmm. It is something that our parents or people who grew up loving Ohio State viewed as the pinnacle of a successful season. And as a result of being great in the Big Ten, winning your conference and potentially playing for a national championship, your reward was to escape the snow, go out to the most beautiful place in the country, which is Southern California. And if you don't think that, I'll fight you. Um, let me guess. Uh, Altoona, Iowa is better. That's that's literally what in and out to Wendy's is. Um, the uh, There's a certain nostalgic feeling towards it, and I understand covering the game when the sun sets over the Monte Cristos or whatever that <laughs> whatever it's called, the, it's the uh, San Gabriel. San Gabriel. Yeah. yeah, it's the Monte Cristos. Um and the mountains turn purple, and the sun's always cotton candy. Like, there's Mexican food, food trucks. Also, you've been waterboarded with terrible weather for the previous two months, and you're out there, and it's 75 degrees. It is amazing. There is nothing like it. The stadium is iconic. The history there, all of it. I get it. No one gives a shit about the exhibition of this game. The game has changed. Playing Utah does nothing but put yourself in a position to get smash mouth to death again. And if you win, you gain nothing. And if you lose, you're more embarrassed. And it's just like when you have the offense that they had, you expect to be playing in a game that matters, and this one doesn't. Yeah. I think the only thing, like, it mattered. Ryan Day was, like, talking about, like, you know, 
he didn't say it in this exact words that like pr- pride is on the line a little bit, I guess, because they're putting you out on the field with somebody and you don't want to finish your season with back-to-back losses and have a three-loss season for the first time since 2011, right? This is the last time they lost three games in a year. Um, so like, I think some of that's at play, right? And and it, and depending on who plays and who doesn't, like, I think it can be a very important development piece and like showcase for guys who are going to be we're gonna, key players next year. We're going to take you behind the curtain and – we recorded a podcast on Tuesday morning, yeah, and then scrapped the whole thing. And I can't remember what we talked about on the one we scrapped and which one we put up. Did we talk about like how cool the Rose Bowl would be on the one that we published? No, if like it was just a bunch of young guys. Okay, no, let's talk about that yeah, for yeah. a minute. That yeah. would be better. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just want to see Marvin Harrison playing all the snaps. I want to see right. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, and Emeka Igbuka out, out wide. Like, I think that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave should go out there, wear their jerseys, go to Disneyland, go to Lowry's, and then put their feet up. Like, I don't think they should play. Like, why would they play? Well, right. I wouldn't play. I would not play. And it's just like, what, opt out of the Rose Bowl? Oh, my God, how dare you? It's, I'd go on the trip. <laughs> I'd go <laughs> on the trip. Maybe play a series. Yeah, you know, maybe we practice, run around, dress, get that prime yeah, rib. Get the Yeah, get the prime yeah. rib. You've earned that. You've earned that if you're Yeah, yeah. Maybe the bowl gifts. Do they still do that? They give you a PS5? I think so. Yeah. PS5. Because it's sponsored by Sony, right? No, it's sponsored. I don't even know who it's sponsored by now. It changes like every year. Sony used to be a bank, right? Sony used to do the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Oh, yeah. Or play, yeah, it used to be the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. I don't know what the 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 PlayStation Fiesta. I wonder if the Fiesta Bowl is giving away PlayStations. No, I thought they were. The, for the first year, it was the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. We were there. I think it was the 2019 Clemson game. Uh, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they give us all PlayStations. Nope. Can I we think- talk for a second about how insane it is that PlayStation has been out in the public for more than a year and you still can't walk into a store and buy one? Is that the case? I don't. I haven't been paying attention to it. Is that true? You cannot walk into Target right now and buy PlayStation 5. And I've had mine for a year. I got lucky. I hit like a raffle on Twitter, but like I also haven't turned it on for six months, which I, I'm sorry. I just haven't been. I, in uh, I have a I, PS4 and a PS2 that I keep to play NCAA, and we thought we were moving in the summer, so like I packed all of it up, uh, and it's still packed up. Like I haven't, and we never we ended up not moving, and I never took it out of the boxes. So like I haven't had it set up for six months probably. Packing and, and unpacking is just the most miserable existence a human. It's being sitting. Has. It's sitting in a box. You know, if I leaned forward, I could touch the box, but uh, I just, no, it's just, that, it's would, just, that would require effort. I don't want a single bead of sweat on that beautiful forehead of yours. That's right. That's um, right. I bought a new laptop from Apple a few weeks ago, um, and I, I'm trading mine in and getting a bunch of credit for it. And it irks me to my being that you can walk into an Apple store and see the display computer, but you can't walk out with one. And like, I bought it, and it just says processing. And it's just like there's two types of like processing. It'll be here when it be when it comes. And it's like, is this thing out? Okay, it's out. All right, here's my money. Give me the product. And if it's not out, then call it a pre-order and give people an idea of when it's going to come. This idea of being out but not available is insane. It's happening at Rolex. Not that I'm going to be able to buy one. It's happening at all sorts of places. And I think you could say it's COVID. But come on, what are we doing? Just give me the, I just want to give you these, this money, and then you give me these shoes, with me. so I can go home and wear them. These are lovely. And you're making it extremely <laughs> difficult. Oh, we sell your stuff on eBay. Yeah, no, I just want to give you this money, and then you money. give me these shoes, <laughs> so I can uh, go home and wear them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite-free. You see this? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think at some point 10 minutes ago I was going to read a quote from Ryan Day about transfers. Uh, So I'm going to do that now. Uh, He said on Sunday, you have to take the dynamics of the team into consideration. We're doing that. We're not going to be flippant about those decisions. The chemistry of your team is something that we really need to be on top of. All it takes is bringing in a couple of guys and you can get yourself out of whack. When we recruit young men, we bring them in to develop them. Bringing in transfers can really upset that. We don't want to do that unless we need to. What do you think of that? I feel like he knew the Elias Ricks thing was coming and he preemptively put that quote out there. Yeah. Um It makes sense, man. I get it. Like there's there's feelings. I must like so you say feelings don't matter, but feelings could like cause cancers in your clubhouse. And like I understand like people liking like watching Michigan play this year, they all love each other. Yeah, yeah. They feel good. Like I mean, that's an important thing. It's an aspect of sports. It's a game. You know, it's a business, but it's still a children's game. And you want people to go out there enjoying who they're playing next to in their coaching and feel like they're getting a fair shake, and you don't want your, your culture to be rotten. And it's like even – I don't even know. Like, I didn't cover the Florida Urban teams, but, like, Urban won national championships with a rotten culture at, at Florida, and it, like, it exploded. And it's like, I guess maybe you could say, I, would you rather win two championships and have a terrible rot, uh, uh, rotten roster that turns into – 15 years of mediocrity as a result of it like do you think that's a fair trade-off like i think and i'm not saying that it's urban's question. fault but like if you ask an ohio question. state fan you can win two national championships in the next three years and then for the next 12 years your team's going to be mediocre i guarantee you they would say no because part of the sport like too. is like the whole part of the sport isn't just to claim the trophies it's to enjoy the the crap talking and to it's a it's an entertainment it's a television show you don't want to enjoy the first season of Breaking Bad and then not get to watch the rest of it. Right. And every season, Ohio State is either in the playoff or on the cusp of the playoff, which I think is the best possible existence that a fan could possibly have. And there's heartache, and there's discussions like this, and there's anger about losing to Michigan, but the coolest thing in the world is that every single year in September, you get to go into the season excited to watch it. And every year in October, you're still a part of the conversation. And it's like, would you rather win a national, like be Auburn? Or be Michigan. You know what I mean? And maybe like win a championship. Like the only other fan base that has a better existence in the sport is Alabama. Yeah. And I almost I think you could also make the case that being an Alabama fan would not be as fun as being an Ohio State fan because they win so much it's boring. You do get yeah, you get a little bit of everything when you're an Ohio State fan. Yeah, you get chaos, you get winning. You get transfers, you get recruiting, you get decommitments, you get tran- you know, all, yeah. Scandal. <laughs> do you yeah, do you would you rather would you rather uh have the 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 drama, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, all the good, all the bad of being an Ohio State fan or just, you know, an Alabama fan where you have to pretend like only scoring 45 against Grambling State is something to be upset about. We do a um We do a podcast. You cover Ohio State. I covered Ohio State. Maybe it's because we have to be laser focused on Ohio State. It feels this way, but Ohio State has been in the news for more stuff in the past 10 years than any other program. Mm-hmm. Random shit. There have been a whole Everything lot of Everything from Zach Smith to Quinn Ewers. There's been a lot of. Quinn Ewers had two of them. Yep. And he had never even played. In four months. Oh, he, <laughs> in four months. <laughs> in four months and played two snaps. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is something. Yeah, there's something uh, unique about Ohio State that you know can, I'm sure, drive fans crazy. It certainly makes think, our life more difficult at times. But you know, is is on the whole. Enjoyable. Alabama is the wire, where it's like just great television for five seasons or however many it was, and it's just like undisputed. Second season like, of the wire sucks. Yeah, well, that was their 2014 year. Um, <laughs> I think that everybody thinks the wire is good. Yeah, Ohio State is Breaking Bad. It's super good, but also completely insane. I think I can get behind that. Analogy. And the Michigan game was the Hank scene in the last season. 
Yikes. <laughs> Was that an analogy too far? Oh, I'm sure I'm sure people felt that way. I think that when Walter White closed the garage door, Kerry Combs was standing on the other side of it. <laughs> um anyway, I think I think the result of this is <laughs> I love the anyway. It's like you're trying to recover from my it, I don't know my, how to I don't know how yeah, to transition. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, yeah. Picture. I yeah. hope people listening are laughing. Who's uh so they're they're out in the desert and Ohio State fans are Walter White with his shocked face and, and who's who's Hank laying in the dirt? That's just that's just the Michigan game. That's them looking at the Michigan game. Yeah. I mean we could we could spoiler do this alert. all day. Spoiler alert, by the way. You know the that, fly episode? Yeah. That's every game where they're up thirty or they're thirty five point favorites. <laughs> it's like why is this here and why are we watching it? <laughs> that is the Ohio State Rutgers game. Yeah. yeah. That episode, by the way, the second to last episode of Breaking Bad is the best episode in the history of television. I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, I've watched the last season of Breaking Bad 20 times. Yeah. It's the best season of television. We should do a draft. uh, Two drafts. One, rom-com draft, and two, best season of television draft. I think the best season of television of all time is the final season of Breaking Bad, and second is the first season of Fargo. I feel like I don't watch enough television to have... Strong enough takes there. Yeah. I, there's a lot of... I have a lot of television. I was trying thoughts. to figure out, is like the McDonald's by the Woody Hayes Center, Athletic Center where all the reporters work because it's the closest place with internet, Los Poyos Hermanos? Yes. <laughs> also a front for a meth conglomerate. <laughs> yeah. You didn't hear that here, though. Yeah. If you're, if you're in the FBI or DEA. I knew the chicken nuggets hit a, hit a little yeah. bit different there. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, the, that's why the, uh, the Sprite tastes so good. I will say, though, that... That McDonald's hit different than other McDonald's. I have not been in there uh, since uh, March of 2020, so I don't know. I don't. Is know the lobby closed from no, COVID? I, I think it's open now, but I just haven't. I haven't gone in there at all. That used to be our spot where we'd work together. Well, we weren't over there for a year because everything we did. Yeah, what would you go over to Panera now? I have gone to Panera. I go to Crimson Cup on Lane. That's like a little north. Or no, yeah. I guess that's west. The of place that Canada. has seating, maybe twenty percent of the time. No, that's that's uh, Stoffs, which never has seating. No, no, Crimson Cup too is kind of. There's like a you walk in and it's like you look right at the the place, and then you walk to the, or the coffee, and then to the left there's like a seating yeah. area and a fireplace that wraps around the yes. side of the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I've gone there, there's been I could, I'm like you, it's like a psychopath sitting out in the front in 31 degree weather typing <laughs> on those metal tables. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like it there. I like it. good coffee. Sometimes I see Kevin Noon there. I um, actually made this comment to uh, Brittany, my fiance. For those who don't know, the other day that I said I wish I liked coffee as much as Landis did. Big coffee like, guy. Like I wish that I viewed something with zero calories as such a nice treat. Yeah, I guess that like I drink way too much of it though. I've I've gotten better about it, but there was a I was on a pretty. I was in a pretty bad place drinking coffee probably like a year ago. I was drinking. But late. Is it even bad for you? I have to imagine that like drinking nine cups of anything that isn't water <laughs> in a day is bad for you. I know, like yeah. I don't, I don't put anything in it. I just drink a black. But even like all that caffeine is probably not the best thing in the world. When you get iced coffee, is it also black? Yeah, I, I only drink a black. Yeah. yeah. If you like black coffee, then that's a pretty good thing. It's like if if you view coffee as like I would Coke, that would be that's like a really good thing. Yeah, I really only ever drink coffee and water and beer. That's about it. And depending on what's on draft, sometimes you'll get a, a draft soda. If there's a cherry coke on draft, you know I can't resist that. But yeah, pretty, I'm pretty good about not drinking my calories. I just am terrible at eating my calories and eat and eat way too much that it doesn't matter that I don't drink my calories. How did we get here? Uh, Ohio no, State. <laughs> Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State's not to just kind of put a bow on the transfer stuff. I, I don't think Ohio State is transfer averse at all. Clearly, like they brought in Justin Fields, they brought in Jonah Jackson. They brought in Trey Sermon. They brought in Noah Ruggles this year, which is like more of an under radar one that, that turned out to be very important. Um, I think just think they're they're more calculated and careful about it, maybe than perhaps you you like them to be at times. Um, but they're still going to do it, and, and honestly, I think they're going to do it this year. It's just not going to be with Eli Ricks. Um, they're in on Austin Stogner, the the tight end from Oklahoma, um, and it, it sounds like they actually have a decent shot of getting him. And and I actually think. 
maybe, maybe outside of linebacker, I would hear an argument for that. I think tight end is like the position where they most need to bring somebody in. So if they can go get a guy like that um, from Oklahoma who's uh, a really good blocker, number one, which they need, but is also a threat in the passing game if they ever decide to throw the ball to the tight ends again, um, I think that'd be a huge splash for them. And then uh, they're also on FIU offensive tackle Miles Frazier, who uh, I don't know much about, but he was on our freshman All-American team, and, and a lot of people say he's like the best transfer offensive lineman on the market. Greg Studrawa went and visited him earlier this week. So they're pursuing transfers. It just sounds like they're not pursuing Eli Ricks. And, and I think that the the lesson here is that they're going to be fairly cautious in approaching this, but but they're not averse to doing it, which yeah. I think is probably the right place to be in. I don't, I don't know. I, I, that's probably where I would prefer my team to be. I don't. I know like there are programs that have gone transfer crazy, uh, mostly because they had to, like Michigan State, and, and done it very well. Northern Illinois on a lower level did it and, and won the MAC. Um, I, I don't know how sustainable that is. So I wouldn't want to be a program like that. But you know, there's there's area between maybe how Ohio State does it and and nearly building your entire roster out of transfers that maybe people would like to see Ohio State operate at. But I, I think they're okay with what they're what they're doing right now. Yeah. So like, where where do you think it should be then? Like, what would be the sweet spot for you? I, I actually like where they're at right now. Um, I, I don't have much complaints about it because because I because they're their track record to me tells me that they don't actually take feelings into account when pursuing transfers, which makes me just believe that there's something more to, to not pursuing Eli Ricks than what was reported by, by 247. Maybe that's part of the equation, and I think it's okay that it is because I agree with Ryan Day that the chemistry of your roster is important. But I think we have enough evidence, too, that if, if they think they have a deficiency and they see a guy who can fill that need, they go out and get him. So um, I, I think they're probably right about where they need to be, in my opinion. Yeah, but like, what is? How do you quantify it? Like, what's the number? Like three? Like per year? You mean? Yeah, yeah. Like what? Yeah, you have I mean, three if Ohio or four State, roster. If Ohio State's like in a, Ohio State, the way it recruits should not be in a position where it needs to bring in more than three or four transfers a year. And frankly, most years should probably only be, be bringing in one or two. And I was just gonna say when we were talking over each other, for as well as Ohio State recruits, it feels like they have an abnormal amount of roster holes sometimes. Well, they're in a weird spot with these last couple classes, right? The the 18 class that didn't hit, the 19 class, it was like kind of a transition class, and the 20 class that was okay, but it was like kind of Ryan Day really getting going, and that's created some deficiencies that, that maybe they wouldn't have had under more normal circumstances. But I do agree with you. It does feel like the last few off seasons were like, they need a guy here, here, and here, and, and I don't feel like you know operating at max capacity, we shouldn't be saying that about Ohio State. Yeah, it's like how many different transfers would you need on this team? I think they definitely need a tight end. I think Do they need a linebacker? I think they probably need a linebacker. I would I would like to know more about um I guess maybe like the health of Palaie no Teote if he's going to be able to do something more next year than he did this year. Um, Mitchell Milton is a guy that we don't talk a lot about because he's not played much and he was hurt all of last year, but I like him a lot too. If they like him and think he can contribute, then like, I don't know, they have like nine or 10 scholarship linebackers. Um, but clearly like we've talked about all along, there's, there's a, I think a level of play at that position that people have been longing for, for a while that I'm not sure is in that room at the moment. So if there's somebody in the portal, bingo. If there's somebody in the portal that you think rises, and I don't to know that if you'd be able to find somebody in the portal that meets yeah. that description. I don't. And know it's like I don't know. Like a CJ Hicks is that is what we think that is, right? I think that is his upside. Yes, which actually he and I, I I've not written the story yet because uh, I was supposed to write it on Wednesday. I wasn't feeling well, um, so I'm gonna. You were going it. to write it, but then you just went on living your life. I just went on, just went on living my life. Um, <laughs> so I think it's gonna run on Friday. But one of the things that that CJ and I talked about was. Uh, like he hears that stuff. Like he knows, you know, he's an Ohio kid. He knows the history of the position, and he's like, he said, he said to me, like, for some reason, people don't talk about Ohio State linebackers the way they used to, and like, I want to change. Yeah, that. that's a really good quote. Yeah, you know why they don't talk about the linebackers where they used to? Because they haven't been good. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sh- like Pete Warner was underrated. I know you you love Pete I think, Warner. I think there have been guys who are just like, good, but not. You know, we're talking all American level. We're talking, yeah, you know, borderline kind of transcendent in the sport. You know. Um. When Britt has girls' night over at her house and all of her friends come over and they, like, sit around the island and they talk to each other and they talk about things like 
fem- like women stuff and shopping and makeup and stuff, like when they're talking, the girls always just go yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and I went to the to Nordstrom and like the entire line was like forty five yeah. <laughs> so like when they like when like ever Brett's talking now, I go yeah, and I want to bring it to the I want I want to bring it to the podcast. Yeah, the, the linebackers just haven't been good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you picture that? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in on that. Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, where they're at in 2022. Uh, some news yeah. that uh, came on Wednesday. It's like good news and bad news that are – and it's like intertwined. So I, I think the end result is probably a net positive if you're Ohio What's State. bad news? Xavier Wampa picked Iowa. Oh, 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 okay. I thought you meant like within the one thing. Okay, go ahead. So Xavier, Xavier Wampa, four-star uh, safety from Iowa, we talked about before. Um, I think both of us have written about. Um, decided to stay home. He's, he's from Des Moines, Iowa. He picked Iowa on Wednesday night. And part of the reason, I mean, he cited like staff stability, which I think is is legitimate given the turnover at Ohio State. I just think it was it was bad timing for Ohio State to be bringing in, bringing in a new defensive coordinator. And had Xavier decided maybe to hold off and sign in February, maybe Ohio State would have had a better chance to, to you know, rebuild that a little bit. But uh, they didn't, so he's going to Iowa. But earlier that day, um, it, it came out like Sonny Styles has not announced this, but in a press release from his high school, he's one of the players that's listed as signing his letter of intent next Wednesday. So he is reclassifying to the class of 2022. So Ohio State loses out on Xavier Wampa, but gets a five-star prospect from its backyard who's going to play the same position as Xavier Wampa or the same position that Xavier Wampa would have played uh, to reclassify to 2022. So what is your thought on reclassifying? Like, do you think that they're ready? Do you think it's it's no. a trend that isn't good? Like, do you like what is your thought process on it? Because, like, I was – during the pandemic, Tony Grimes, the five-star corner that Ohio State was recruiting a few years ago, mm-hmm. went to North Carolina and reclassified a year early. Because he was really, really good and wanted to play, get his clock started and all that stuff. And I wrote a story about how that might become a trend, especially in the eve of NIL. And then he played. He played quite a bit during yeah. the pandemic year as a what would have been a high school senior. Like, does this just mean that... Because like Sonny Styles is rated the 13th best player in the 2022 class. Like, they... I don't know like how 247 does the does the rankings or changes the rankings as a result of that. But like he is automatically rated as a top 15 player nationally. And then that's going to help Ohio state's class, you know, stay in the top five, probably, um, especially if they get um, Amari Aber, which I'm sure we'll probably discuss um, before this podcast is over. But it's just like, is he good right now? Or like, do you have to wait two years when he would have come in? Like, what can you expect from somebody like this? Uh, I wanted to look this up while you were talking. Tony Grimes played as a true as an early enrolled true freshman in 2020. Played 317 snaps. That's a lot. Uh, started the last one, two, three, four games for UNC that year. Um, didn't play much early on. Like the first uh, five or so games, he played like 30 snaps. Um, so, but then he clearly had built something up over time where he became more involved and then was starting by the end of the year. So that, and I would not assume that about any early enrolled player, and I, I don't assume it about Sonny Styles either. Um, what I think of it, I don't know. I guess it's circumstantial. Like when Quinn Ewers did it, like pretty transparently, only for NIL reasons. That to me was like, ah, that I don't know about that. Um, I think it made, that made me nervous. Uh, that's not what Sonny Styles is doing. Um, I think Sonny Styles, who is the the son of of Lorenzo Styles, and I think like knows how this works, is just looking to get a, a jump start on his development. He's only 17 years old, um, and he would be 17, I believe, like through the entire 2022 Ohio State season. I don't have any expectation whatsoever that he's going to play next year. Not to say he won't, because he is a he's an incredible athlete, and he seems like a really smart kid, and he's versatile. Um, if, if even if he got on the field of special teams, um, I think that that would make sense. But like. You know he's going to play the boundary safety position that Ronnie Hickman's in, so I don't I don't think that Sonny's going to play a whole lot on defense in 2022. But I I suppose I like the idea of jumpstarting your development, but but I think mostly um, 
I do f- like I kind of feel bad when kids make decisions like that, like miss out on their senior year of high school. Like I think that I think that kind of sucks. I I get why you would feel motivated to do it because everything in college football is happening so fast right now. But I think like, if I were advising anybody on that, not that anyone gives a shit what I think, like I would say like go enjoy your senior year of high school. Like all, all the things you want are still going to be there. Like still be a kid. You're 17. You're 16. You're 18. Whatever. Um, I I don't love the trend of just like well you're a slacker school maybe maybe but i i don't know like go to prom go like do the shit that 17 he wants to stand on his money and head butt yao ming yeah and i don't know (laughs) i should know this and i don't know this i'm assuming you can't make nil money i think you cannot make nil money um as a ohio high school athlete yeah, I don't know the answer to that. There's when I wrote a story about it six months ago, there were like 25 states, but I think you actually, I think Ohio, you actually can. I don't know. I, that's a bad, I don't know. Bad, bad job but, out of me. I should know that. Yeah, yeah, but like, the thing about it too is that's like, I find the NIL shit completely uninter- uninteresting. Like if yeah. Sonny Styles enrolls early and makes seven thousand dollars next year, I could not give a shit. It's like congratulations. Like that's not an out. Like you know what I mean. Like I don't know. At and a certain point, we're not, not going to have to I discuss be, I that be clear. anymore. I want to yeah. be clear. Like that's not that is. I, I don't think any way whatsoever the motivation for something. And titles. if it, the motivation is to get bigger, get faster, get stronger, be in a college weight room, and then maybe potentially get to the NFL a year earlier, mm-hmm. this is probably always the motivation. So like I'm not saying that he's going to go do kombucha tea stuff now. <laughs> but he is rated. In the 2022 class as the 13th best player in the country. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just weird transitioning by 247 or if he's actually legitimately the best top 15 player in that class. Like, I don't know how you would rate that. Like, if he, because it, it's about mature, it's maturity, right? Body, well, yeah, it's just, puberty. Like, I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, last year when Quinn Ewers did it, didn't he just stay number one? He did say number one, and Sonny was number six in 2023. Um, and then, like you said, when he moved to 2022, now he's 13th. And I don't like there's there's projection baked into that, right? I don't I don't know how you do that because I thought it looks to me like they just like poured it over what his rating was in 23 and put it into 22, and that's kind of like where he landed. I don't know if if that number changed at all because part of that number is like is the players around you too, right? That's why like Quinn Ewers was the quote unquote perfect prospect because of the quarterback class was not as strong as it's been in, in years past. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't think Sonny Styles has the upside uh, for sure, for sure of being the 13th best player in this 2022 recruiting class, but I think when you see that there's an expectation that oh he'll be ready to play the second he sets on campus, sets foot on campus. And I, I just like at 17 years old, I one am hesitant to put that on anybody who's that age and two I just I just not sure how realistic that is even for a kid who is as you know gifted athletically and as much of a freak as Sonny Styles is yeah yeah um but I think it's good like Ohio State I just went and looked it up now uh because he is a top 15 player nationally and I think we've like lost a little bit of of juice when it comes to like where they are in the rankings Mm -hmm. but I, I looked a little bit closer this morning before we did this podcast and I just wanted to bring this up Ohio State has the second best average player rating in the entire country, and that's behind only Alabama. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M is definitely going to pass them because they are involved with like seven other five-star prospects, and like they're probably going to get like three or four of them, and they're going to win the recruiting crown. But Georgia, who's currently in second place right now, has twenty-four commitments. Ohio State has, Ohio State has eighteen commitments, and Georgia has seven three-star prospects and Ohio State is two so like the difference between Georgia and Alabama and, and Ohio State right now is five three-star prospects so like if they get you know Caden Curry and they get Amari Aber like Ohio State might finish second or third this year and if you finish second or third behind A&M and Alabama with what they're doing you have a national championship caliber class so like I know that there was some juice lost Jaheim Singletary is now going to Georgia was once committed as a five-star uh, defensive back Obviously, Quinn Ewers is no longer rated in this class. Like, there was a time where it seemed like this was going to be the best class of all time, and it's not going to win the recruiting crown this year, but they still are in a really good position. And I think this is a monster class on the heels of the 2021 class. Yeah, and 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 I think also addresses in a as long as they finish it out the way I think we, we both think they're going to finish it out, which is to say they're going to add a couple defensive linemen to this group. Um, I think addresses in a major way some of the imbalance we've seen with Ohio State's recruiting classes over the last two, three years, where it seemed like all of the higher-end talent they were bringing in was on the offensive side. Last year and this year combined, when you talk about you know Jack Sawyer, JT Tuimolowau, um, 
even like Tyleek Williams in that class, the two corners, J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing guys off the top of my head. And then this year's class with C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers and now Sonny Styles. And then if you add these top 100 style defensive linemen, Terrence Brooks, it's like, okay, like you can start to see it see a, a a complete roster that has that talent kind of dispersed evenly amongst the positions rather than like everything every top 100 players either quarterback or receiver yeah and I think that I wonder too if like Ohio State's deficiencies as a team this year was because they or what was fully fool us was that they were the second or third most talented team in college football but all that talent was densely populated in those two position groups mm-hmm. and and many of which didn't even touch the field it's like Julian Fleming Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord, and um, Emeka Egbuka, who I know did some returning this year, but like you have four five-star prospects just in that in those two receiver rooms alone, and I'm probably forgetting somebody. You know, mm-hmm. Jaden Ballard. He was top 100. He wasn't. He was you know, like you have a lot of talent that's just like densely populated in those areas that aren't touching the team, and most other teams don't even have five five-star prospects on their entire roster. Like, if you even go look at the entire 247 composite rankings, I'm going to go pull it up right now. In 2021, the top four teams in the country had double-digit five-star prospects. Even LSU only had six. Alabama, I mean, Oklahoma had seven. Florida had six. A&M had five. Oregon had four. SC had two. Texas had five. Like, Ohio State just had five five-star prospects just sitting on their bench because they were blocked by other really good players. Mm-hmm. So I wonder like if that talent wasn't as dispersed properly as it should have been, if that's the reason why Ohio State wasn't as good as it should have been this year. And it's like yep. also Zach Harrison's a five-star prospect who didn't play like a five-star. Tyreek Smith was a top 100 player who had been injured and didn't produce as well. Like, I mean, there are a lot of players who were playing that just didn't play up to their rating too. So like that's mm-hmm. part of it. Yep. But if you have more five-star prospects than most other teams have on their roster just sitting in your receiver room – and then you're using the 247 composite talent rankings as a way to kind of tell the story, I think there's a way that you can kind of get mis- misled there a little bit. For sure, yeah. yeah. I, I think we talked about that before. And uh, Did you say Donovan Jackson's name? Because he's another guy, five-star prospect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I so wonder, much. like, if you went and added it up, how many of the five-star prospects on Ohio State's roster even played last year? I mean, we can run through it if you want. Let me pull up the talent composite. Uh, while I'm doing that, I am curious on your thoughts, like, on... So- Here it is. Quinn Ewers didn't play. JT Tuimalau um, played. Played a little bit. Jack Sawyer played a little bit. Julian Fleming, not really. Not really. Nicholas petit Friere's first starter, right? Mm-hmm. Paris Johnson Jr., starter, mm-hmm. but out of position. Emeka Egbuka, uh, return man. Oh, they also get credit for um, – can you please just pronounce his name? I can't do it. The linebacker from SC. Yeah, I can't. You, you could give me a thousand tries and I couldn't say it. <laughs> say it again. Palaie no Oteote. Paliye Neote Yote. Close. Okay. Zach Harrison played starter. Garrett Wilson starter. Donovan Jackson bench. Teron Vincent. I don't know how to categorize him. Played, uh, but didn't play up to his potential. Uh, yeah, right. Trey Henderson, Harry Miller, Kyle yeah, McCord, Jackson Smith, and the Jigba. Those are the those are all of them. So more than half didn't play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um Quickly on the Xavier Wampa thing, like that, he was a very high priority target for Ohio State for a long time, and I think even in the summer, you might have even publicly said that Ohio State was his leader. But there was a a perception that Ohio State was was a team to beat. Like honestly, like up until probably like a month or two ago, um, missing him in conjunction with getting Sonny Styles to reclassify. Like, how do you process that? Like, is that a is that a net win for Ohio State? Is it you know, is it just even? Like I, I don't know, like to, to put to invest that much in a guy like Wampa and then not get him seems like it would really sting. But I'm wondering how much the Sunny Styles reclassification softens that. Let's say that again. Your your connection broke up. Putting as much as you put into Xavier Wampa as Ohio State did, and then not getting him would sting yeah, a whole no, lot. I imagine. Yeah. But but how much does getting Sunny Styles to reclassify at basically the same position? I think it only does 50%. It's great for your thought process on, um, you know, what the class looks like and the numbers and stuff. But if one person has to take a year longer to develop than the other one because he's just a year younger, then it, I don't know if it fills the hole that would have, you know, been filled by Wonkpa's ability to play faster. Yeah. You know, it's not just about like what right. your recruiting I mean, rankings I, look not like. Not that it's I would. Ex- what your roster. 
Yeah. I, I wouldn't have, have expected any – I wouldn't expect Xavier Wonkwa to play much on defense as a true freshman either because he plays Ronnie Hickman's position and Ronnie Hickman's going to play there next year. Um, but I think Wampo would have been in a much better position to contribute in some way than, than Sonny Styles probably will be. But also feel free to throw this back in my face in October when Sonny Styles is like their best player on special teams and is playing like half the snaps at uh, whatever Jim Knowles calls that position, which I think is uh, – the bandit position in, in in his defense, not the not the bullet, not the boundary safety, the bandit. Everything's got a cool name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> so we'll talk more. Signing day is next Wednesday. I think in the next episode, we're we're going to talk more about uh, this recruiting class, um, what we think of it on the whole. Maybe maybe some individual guys in the class that we really like, and certainly update you if anyone commits between now. And then, but just as like a refresher on kind of who Ohio State's waiting on, Caden uh, Curry, four-star defensive tackle, Hero Canoe. Well, Curry is kind of like a tackle end, maybe more of an end. Hero uh, Canoe, four-star defensive tackle, Omari Abor, five-star edge rusher. They visited Kristen Miller, <laughs> like they did an in-home visit with Kristen Miller. I, I don't. I would think that's not going to happen, but I suppose if if they're going to see him, they think there's there's some chance there that they could get him. But and he's also a four-star defensive tackle. So you have those four along the defensive line, uh, and then it's like Carson Hinsman, the guard from Wisconsin, and Ernest Green, the guard from uh, Bosco High School out in out in California. Uh, I think they probably only get one of them, and if they get one of them, it's probably Hinsman. But it's defensive line and offensive line. Uh, the rest of the way, I think for Ohio State because I don't they didn't get Wampa. I don't think they're going to get Zion Branch, and they already got Devin Brown. I think that's kind of it. Um, but like you said, Ari, if they if they if they do it, if they finish a job on the defensive line and get one of those offensive linemen, pretty good job out of them, right? Yeah, I. Um, so, where do you think that would put them, though? Overall, you mean? Like in the class rankings? Yeah, like in the class. You think they're going to finish three? Is that like where you would think? Uh, well, yeah, because they're not going to. I don't think they're going to catch Alabama, and Texas A and M is about to explode. It sounds like with a couple more five stars. I don't know what Georgia has left. Um, I suppose they could pass Georgia. You would know would know that better than me. But I think the ceiling is third. But I could also see them just kind of sticking it's, fourth. Yeah, they could pass Georgia. I think because. Georgia's probably getting pretty close to having their class full, and Ohio State has more top 100 players that they still might be able to get. But like Georgia's still in, involved with a few five stars too. So the thing that's interesting about the way the rankings are, are setting up right now, Bill, is that Georgia, Alabama, and A and M are all recruiting the same three or f- like you know seven to ten players, and like where those players end up going is going to be a deciding factor of who wins the crown. But like if one of those teams just cleans up on everybody, then the other two could fall out. Like Alabama, yeah. like there could be one the number one recruiting crown winner in this year's cycle could just run away with it completely and have the best class without question. Um or it can be evenly dispersed amongst those three and then all of them have very similarly rated classes. Yeah. And Ohio State is has some crossover like I think there's a chance like like A and M's on Abor, right? He is, yes, but yeah, I mean, and, and Alabama's yeah. on Caden Curry. That's right. Too. Yeah, Hero Canoe, I don't think is involved with any of those other programs. Um, Ernest Green, good, I think is probably Georgia or Alabama. That's um, yeah, that's my understanding. And then Carson Hinsman is Ohio State or Wisconsin. So um, yeah, if all those teams ahead of Ohio State clean up, then that that means Ohio State probably missed out on a guy or two that we, we're talking about here. But I think I think you have to still consider Ohio State the favorite for Curry. There seems to be a lot of momentum for them, neighbor. Uh, I think they're in a good spot with Hero Canoe as long as Larry Johnson's around. Um, Car- Carson Hinsman, I have no idea. I think there's some uncertainty with Ohio State's offensive line coach position that might make an impact there. But the fact that he hasn't already committed to Wisconsin, I think, oh, means Ohio State is continuing to to put him in a spot where he has to make a difficult decision. So I won't be surprised if they win that. I don't think they're going to get her to screen. Yeah. But Hinsman's pretty good. I like Hinsman a lot, actually. Yeah. He's a guard. Um, I know guards are hard to get excited about, but he's a good player. No. What? Great. You have a hard time getting excited about guards, bud. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> um, <laughs> the public does. Who do you think is the most important prospect that's left on their board? Hero Canoe. Um, Aber. I think I might say Curry because of his ability to play inside or outside. But I also just think like they need like they need dudes at defensive tackle. So probably Canoe. I think I'd put Canoe first. 
Have we have we given up on Zion Branch? I think so. I think the the USC staff, uh, Alex Grinch and someone else from that staff, was like in, in their home again on Tuesday night, I think, or Wednesday night. Um, I just I think everything is pointing to the Branch because it's, it's a package because the Branch, the younger Branch brother, Zachariah, is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Five star receiver in twenty three. Um, what about Kristen Miller? Did you say him? I did. I I don't know on him. I I think there's like some. Uh, wasn't Ryan Day just in his house? Yeah, Larry Johnson and Ryan Day went to visit him, and th- this kid's got like a big time personality. Um, yeah, like everyone fell in love with him when he was at the Ohio State camp in the summer. Um, I also think there's like a sentiment about him that he like very much enjoys playing the recruiting game, and I think that like there's been like three different, three or four different schools at a time people felt like he was going to. So I have no idea on him, but you know, I don't, I don't think you waste your time with in home visits either. So if Ryan Day and Larry Johnson flew the flew the PJ to Kristen Miller's house, I think that yeah. means they feel like they have a shot, or they just wanted the miles. I mean, hey, G- Georgia is the favorite there, and he's an in state prospect, so it's like. I'm very curious too about like how you go like Ohio State's um, recruiting philosophy. Maybe we can get into this in the off season of like how much can they emphasize Georgia moving forward. I think I think there's actually some really fun conversation to have about Georgia, obviously Southern California, um, even maybe like the Pacific Northwest. I don't know because like Washington's got a new head coach and Oregon's going to be getting a new head coach. Like they're there are areas that Ohio State has done really well in over the last few years that the dynamics in those areas are changing, and not to say that it's bad for Ohio State, but I think it's worth talking about. Um, so we can definitely do that at some point in the offseason. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll, uh, we'll we'll wrap up there. Like I said, uh, signing day is next Wednesday. Um, C.J. Stroud, Heisman finalist, by the way, uh, will be in New York this weekend. I will not be there because CJ's not going to win. If I thought he was going to win, I think I probably would be there. But um, it's still very cool that he gets uh, to go make that trip. And you probably get to learn a little bit more about CJ kind of watching the, the Heisman show too. Um, so check that out on Saturday. And Ari and I will be back with you guys early next week to preview National Signing Day. We'll talk to you guys then. Mm-hmm.